Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Um, I don't know if it'll set the tone, but to have that type of emotion and, and you know, a Thursday night game and, and hadn't won there in a long time, I, I, you could definitely feel that we needed that type of momentum heading into Minnesota. And, and to have that for 10 days that we can build off of, I think will be good for us moving forward. That's Cliff Kingsbury speaking on Friday at a press conference the day after his Arizona Cardinals, and he made reference to it there, finally yeah, won a home game. After uh, almost a full calendar year of not experiencing victory in their home stadium, 42-34 over the Saints. Bigger picture, big question there was, does that set the tone? Cliff's right. You never know what's going to happen week to week, especially in a topsy-turvy NFL where you can't really predict anything from week to week. You'd much rather have that momentum of a win, though, behind you Mm -hmm. with a 10-day break before you go on a very tough place to play in Minnesota against the Vikings. No doubt about it. Uh, So this is going to be a a stiff test for this team. Uh, Defensively, they've risen to most challenges this year. Um, I think think a couple things about this. I, I think it was fascinating how when we left this program on Friday, we left with a visit with Ron Wolfley, who's the color commentator for the Arizona Cardinals, and he doubled down on my belief that Cliff Kingsbury should give up play-calling duties, mm-hmm. which I, I, you were so surprised you even asked him, Wolf, do you know something? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, intuitively, that was a very smart question to ask. And 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 Mac, Mac Stark said the same thing as well. So the question becomes, do the Cardinals actually consider this, or are they going to lean on the comfort of actually winning a game and and snapping the home losing streak and hoping that that alone is going to lift this team going forward. It, it's fascinating to me because even though we're all guilty of overreacting when they lose, the same is true when they win. And that game last week, that game against the Saints turned when two much maligned football players, Marco Wilson, Isaiah Simmons, came up with fabulous plays in the span of, what, 70 seconds? Whatever. 64, 64 seconds. 64 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Th- that, that turned the course of that game. Would mm-hmm. the outcome have been different? Probably not, but we don't know it. So my, my point is, is that assuming the team is back on higher ground, I'm not sure you can do that. So is the football team going to think of doing something dramatic? Well, that's a big question. And we'll, Cliff Kingsbury I believe is on with Wolf and Luke today uh, for his weekly visit, normal Monday visit, even though there wasn't a game yesterday. Uh, let's ex- let's explore that. The whole possibility of Cliff Kingsbury temporarily, to use your term, to use Wolf's term, giving up play calling duties. Taking a step back for now, as I think. Yeah, but, right. Alright, so you mentioned the interceptions. And I am of the belief without the three interceptions, because there was also the interception by Antonio Hamilton, right. which killed the Saints drive deep in their territory. Great job by the defense to force those, those turnovers. Even without the interceptions, just individually on the offense, they scored 28 points against uh, New Orleans. I don't know what the outcome of the game is. I think the Cardinals probably lose without those turnovers. Whatever. We'll, we'll never know the answer to that yeah. question. But Saints, Saints outgained them. They, they, they seemed was, to move. Outside of the turnovers, yeah. it was not a great game no. for the defense. No. But again, focus on the 28 points right. put up by the offense, okay. which was a big step forward. Do you want to stunt that growth potentially? You know, we've been you know, People have been ragging on Cliff Kingsbury all season long. Would it make sense now with his, you know, one of the rare 
solid offensive games for this team for him to to hand hand the duties elsewhere. I don't I don't well, know if that makes sense right now. And the other thing is internally, how is that whole confrontation with Kyler Murray reverberating? And more to the point, how is their relationship? Where is their relationship? Um, even before Sunday's game, I had heard rumblings that those two guys aren't exactly getting along. And I think that's fairly obvious for the quarterback to continually show up as head coach on the football field. You, you, you could t- either that means there's not a lot of respect there, or that means Kyler Murray has really bad manners. And I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure which one it is. But to me, it's a perfect. It's a perfect way to frame it as a victory. We're doing this proactively. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this reactively because we just lost a game and everyone's screaming about our head coach. We're doing this proactively. And the thinking is, get Cliff Kingsbury's voice out of Kyler Murray's headset. Let that be Spencer Whipple. Let Cliff take a step back. Here's what I think is holding him back, if anything, is holding him back. Cliff has spent no time, really, hanging with the defense. So if Cliff is now not calling plays, what is he going to do with himself on the sideline? I need jokes around about it, but yeah. I don't think he knows the answer to that question. I, I, he certainly doesn't spend a lot of time talking and coaching up the defense. And if he's not calling plays, he may feel like, I've got no purpose here. So It's like, you ever watch somebody play video games? Like you're in the room and somebody's playing Madden, yeah, and you got no control over it, or just letting the computer play the game, right? Right, that's right. That's exactly that's kind <laughs> of what it'd be like. What that would feel like. So I, I, I'm real curious about that because it on, on some level the the optics of Kyler Murray dressing down the head coach and the head coach just sheepishly taking it. It's not a good look. It's it's it especially in the alpha world of football. No, where any weakness at all. They know it. And there was still talk about that on Friday, the day after the game. Cliff Kingsbury was asked, how, how would you describe that exchange? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Um, you know, I went to bed and came here and got ready for team meetings. So uh, it, it was an emotional game. Incredible atmosphere in there. Everybody's intense and rocking, and, and that's just part of the game. Is it? A, is haven't it a, seen it. You lived, lived it. It. <laughs> it was right in, yeah. It happened right in front of his face. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> that would be you, Jarrett. Well, that's the the question though is like is it almost more concerning if he doesn't have a problem with it cliff if he's fine with his players talking to him like that and treating him like that that, is that a bigger problem yeah the answer is yes the the alpha the alpha male driven world of an nfl locker room demands you know certain things and that you can't have a head coach who's even in 2022 could could you does a head coach still need to be that way cliff is a player's coach we all know it mm mm-hmm that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. I look. Yeah. I, I think Kyler Murray went overboard. I said that yeah, on Friday. Yeah. I think you know Cliff Kingsbury is still the head coach, players' coach or not. That still comes with a level of built-in respect and deferral to. I, and yeah. and and if Kyler Murray was indeed at fault for those plays not being uh, or the ball not being snapped on time. Then I understand his head coach's frustration because it's a recurring problem that has not been addressed yet. And shut I re- up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. And, up, I, and I respect that opinion. I come from it just the opposite way. I I love the passion that Kyler Murray showed, and I love it because he is he has had enough with what he's hearing in his headset, the anxiety, whatever it is that that's prompted him. To, to, this is twice now, demonstrative right, on-field gestures. Wouldn't it mean more if Kyler Murray was that outwardly emotive? Consistently, I mean, when things weren't going well the previous week in Seattle, 
the cameras caught him moping around, grumpy cat style, like he used to be on the sidelines, mm-hmm. sitting by himself, head mm-hmm. down. You can't if you want to be a leader and an emotional leader. You can't pick and choose. You got. You have yeah. to have some level no. of. of, of you know, consistency there. Well, it, it and it can't always be about you. It can't always be about it, it, when when you're feeling like you're being shown up, or you feel like you're being attacked. Yeah, no. Listen, I I think there's there. What you're saying is a lot of merit. And, 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 and Kyler Murray said it after the game. Look, he's very demonstrative at times. And I saw the he used the word antics on the sideline is what set him off to say, calm the bleep yeah, down on right. a couple of occasions. Kyler Murray is guilty of that too. When things don't go, somebody runs the wrong route. You see the body language. Which is which is why Does which, somebody come back yeah. to the huddle but, and say, "Hey, Kyler, calm the bleep down." Well, there's also though there's the bottom line reason of why was Cliff so mad that he had to be told to calm the f down, and it was because Kyler, in his mind, I guess Kyler kept wasting timeouts. Yeah, I mean, like, there was right. some, we some know kind of the reason why he was that upset. Caused, yeah, that, <laughs> no. that caused the reason for him to be upset. Yeah, because. That was the third time they had had to burn a timeout. We talk about it every week. Play clock running down. They have to burn timeouts in non-optimal situations. They, they lead the NFL by a mile in in timeouts burned to avoid play clock violations. Mm-hmm. Not a not a stat you want to be no, uh, number one in. No. So all, so all of this didn't just magically go away. Now it's a lot easier when you're coming off a victory. But what really yes. what does it mean moving forward? Uh, it's again I, I really I really champion this idea. I doubt it's going to happen. Man, it'll be curious to see what Cliff says about yep. it if there's right. any any changes coming. I don't I don't feel it's coming either. And unlike you, I'm not sure this is the time to do it. I don't know if you stunt stunt growth after a good performance and a win. That calmed a lot of people down. Now, the potential is there for it to, the offense to go into into a hole again on on Sunday in a tough place to play. They typically don't play well in Minnesota. Yeah, the Cardinals. No, it's a well, it's, yeah, it's a hard place to play. It's yeah. very the building's very very loud. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Suns got a win in L.A. last night. They got a loss in Portland on Friday night that didn't have to be a loss. We'll get into some of the details of that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Holtkamp bounces it to D.A. He throws it up off the rim, and it's rebounded by Landale. Put it oh. up the buzzer, and he missed it. Oh, my, he got a look. And at the buzzer, it comes up just short, and the Blazers win it. 113-111, the final in overtime. What a game. John Bloom, Tim Kempton, final from Friday night at the Moda Center in Portland. Very entertaining game. Went to overtime. Blazers get the win. And I'm sure everybody at this point had the Blazers as one of the undefeated teams left in, in the NBA. Yeah, no, I did not. <laughs> did not see that coming. No, Philadelphia's 0-3. Portland's 3-0. and uh, Things are weird right now in yeah. the NBA. Uh, the but Jazz that, are 3-0, and isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. How about that? Who would have saw that coming? That, that won't last. That can't last. It, well, it depends on how many times they play the Lakers. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get my shots in on the Lakers as much as I can. Um, that was the second of uh, DeAndre Ayton's free throws. The way that transpired, Suns down one, play comes down uh, to DeAndre uh, um, DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. He gets fouled. Shot doesn't go. He gets two free throws and misses the first. So it necessitates the 
purposeful missed second free throw. Worked out perfectly. Landale got a shot. I think he hurried it a little bit too much with only 1.7 seconds left on the clock. Missed it. Yeah, Suns yeah lose. he had more time. Yeah, you're right. He could have. Now, if DeAndre Ayton makes his first free throw, we might be talking about a Suns win. This is where it gets interesting. Damian Lillard, who was fantastic for Portland on Friday night, um, you know, the cameras caught him before Ayton steps to the line, not necessarily jawing, but just kind of having a conversation with DeAndre Ayton. And uh, what exactly did he say? I only asked him, I said, have you ever been in this situation before? Because it's not easy, you know, when you when you have to make the free throws. That's not an easy situation to be in because it's... The whole game doesn't come down to one possession. You know, it's a lot of things that happen, but in a way, you know, you're looking at it like this is a chance to tie the game. So I just asked him, like, I just wanted him to think about it a little bit. Like, you know, have you ever been in this situation? And he ignored me. And when he ignored me, I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's thinking about it. Like, these these big free throws. Uh, I'll ask the question. Yeah. Uh, since it's DeAndre Ayton. What Damian Lillard said, is that a big deal or is that not such a big deal in your mind? Uh, What he said is not a big deal in my mind. Uh, DeAndre Ayton not making the free throw is potentially a big deal. Uh, It was close, kind of circled in and out. So it wasn't like he threw up a brick. But still, that's a a moment where an elite NBA player says to uh, to a young guy who was a number one pick, all right, all right, let's see what you're made of. And and it didn't work out for Da. So it, in real time, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was very interesting and potentially significant. How about you? Um, potentially, I think is the key term. I think there's another free throw issue with DeAndre Ayton that's more taxing. Mm-hmm. The fact that through three games he's only shot seven of them, and that is something that we've talked about throughout his career. I was mistaken uh, in that when the Suns got DeAndre Ayton with the number one overall pick, I was penciling in like eight free throw attempts per game because of his game, because of what he was you know, able to do in college from a skill set, set standpoint. And he's a good free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only hit four of seven free throws in three games, which I know it's a small sample, but 57%. He's been right about 75% for his whole career. Yeah. Um, I think had he had more reps at there the free throw line, then maybe that's maybe. not as taxing a free throw at the end of the game. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. Uh, and but this team has been a very good free throw shooting team, and and so that that moment just distilled down to a moment. That's a moment when you get challenged by an elite player and you fail. And it's it's like Devin Booker in Game Seven last year. Mm-hmm. These things actually inside the inside the game, the game within the game. This stuff matters. Or Damian Lillard would not have even attempted to get in his head. And so, but here's the thing that I think is good. It's not necessarily a bad thing for DeAndre Ayton because whenever he's got those moments where where he where his lack of force leads him to really cost the team, he, he tends to feel feel it a little bit. He doesn't blow it off. He doesn't brush it off. I remember that game. I, I was they're all blurred together now. This might have been two years ago. He had like a little bunny and he shot an air ball, a little baby hook instead of dunking the ball, and I went nuts at, at how passive it was. Uh-huh. And and I remember coming out of that thinking, man, this this is a bad look for the kid. And and he knew it, and he responded by playing real hard. So far to date, I like what I've seen from D.A. this season. The free throw thing still is inexcusable, as as you have pointed out. He should be at six per game at minimum. I was just going to ask you, though, in general, in, it's only three games, but have you noticed anything either different with the way he's playing or how they're using him this year? Anything different with DeAndre Ayton? Um, 
I, I was real encouraged with his offensive involvement in the first two games. I thought last night game flow didn't have him in the game as much. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of picked and, and, and choose their spots, which was fine because Devin Booker had set the tone and, and the game was never really threatened. But I not to answer your question, Jared, I haven't noticed too much. That's different. Yeah, so, I, no, I, either of I, I think he's been good. I think he's had some sensational moments like that. Where that play where he was under the basket and that ball was coming up short and he kind of reverse-tipped it in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, how many big men are agile enough to do that? Not many. Not uh, many. But then you get Friday night, uh, th- those two free throws, that didn't even need to be. That should have been an and one is what well, that should have been. Had he gone up with force, and that's that, that's always what it comes down but to. But you him. always go down to plays that led up to that. that yeah, was about a minute and change left. Chris Paul threw an inexplicably bad cross court pass that led to an offensive foul on Aiton. I think that turned the whole game around. Um, so yeah, Aiton's got to make the free throws. Speaking of free throws, one of the other things to watch is the free throw disparity. Through three games, the Suns have shot 35 less free throws than their opponents. Last night it was 20 to 12, but a 15 free throw differential on Friday night against the Blazers. But Monty Williams was asked about it. Says he doesn't want to talk about it, but he talked about it. Yeah, you can give me five. You know, I got hit the other night, but that's how I got fined in the playoffs because I just stated the fact. Got hit. Um, but the other night it was like, holy smokes, man. You know? That we just have to be intentional about forcing the issue to try to get there, but not fabricate it. But at the same time, when we don't get the call, we gotta get back. Um, it can't get frustrating when the other team is getting to the line. They can set their defense, they can change their defense, and they can score. You know, if you're taking a beating when you go to the paint, you don't get the call, so that can be frustrating. Uh, mentally and emotionally, you have to regulate yourself, and that can be hard when you're competitive. How much does it? You should get fined, though. If I can get fined, I'll take your hand. <laughs> Yeah, they don't mess around with that. When you talk about free throw differential, they don't take kindly to that. That's they, the, they will hand out fines. That is a problem because, like Dan was saying, they are a very good free throw shooting team. They are. If they got to the line more, you know, it could only help them yep. win games. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot Woo! straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Great to have you here on this Monday. Whether you are driving to work, taking your kids to school, coming home from work, you overnight shifters, we see you as well. Uh, welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. What do we do in terms of saying hello? I never know. I'm not what a pitch. Is it a handshake? Oh, is it a hug? I mean... <laughs> and Jared Carlin. That booty. Oh, a blast ah. from the past! That booty, Jermaine Gresham. Wow, yes. uh, what was the context of that? That he pl- booty. He played start si- uh, yay or nay with us, or something. I don't, I can't remember, but he played some game with us, and I was talking about uh, pirates, pirates, and what he likes most about pirates. Yes, their booties. That booty. Got it. Okay. That booty. Led to my fantasy football team name that season. 
<laughs> that booty. That's great. Uh, well, it is a pretty rare Monday for us in the fall. No Cardinals game on Sunday. To Come discuss. on, booty pirate. <laughs> that was the next right, time we let her continue. That's please. amazing. Okay. No, please just interrupt me Jared, for the next 10 minutes. That'd he's be great. just entertaining himself. Yeah, I, it's fine. It's fine with me. Let's mix it up. Uh, they beat, of course, the Saints on Thursday night. Did not play yesterday. So uh, we're going to get to the Cardinals in a moment. But did you guys do anything special with your Cardinals-less Sundays? No. <laughs> sitting, on the, sitting on the couch all day, does that count? Just watching other NFL games? Yes. Nick? Yeah, just went down and hung with my kids at ASU. I, 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 I had a great moment of mirth. My whole family barged into the house where my daughter is living. She's living with a bunch of her girlfriends. It embarrassed the hell out of my daughter. It was Good. fabulous. We it love was that. Great. <laughs> it was just great. Keep them humble, Dan Bickley. It was just great. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, let's start out with the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Clippers last night on the road, 112 95. Uh, Devin Booker had 35 points on the night. Chris Paul had seven. Three of 11 shooting from the field, one of eight shooting from three. He did have 11 assists. That pushed him over the 11,000 assist mark on his career. Uh, Only John Stockton and Jason Kidd have had more in the history of the NBA. Here is Chris Paul after the game discussing the honor. Yeah, I didn't, I honestly didn't have a clue to check out the game. Um, man, it's been a lot of firsts here, you know what I mean, at the Staples Center World, crypto, and you know what I mean, so anytime I can do that with my family here, you know, my brother, my dad sitting on the court, my son, my daughter, my wife, my mama, everybody here, so it's always dope. A little muffled, but he's talking about how good it felt to do that in front of just all little, of his Just a little muffled. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, it is still so early on in the season. They are three games into the season, but after seeing the way he has been shooting, thirty-two percent. What role will Chris Paul need to take this season if he continues to shoot this way? What kind of changes will need to be made, if any? I don't. I don't think this will continue. I, I think. I don't. Bick kind of brought something up about Chris Paul's physical conditioning heading into the season. Um, I think he's such a pro, the shot will come back. I don't expect him to shoot anymore. I don't expect him um, to be the same offensive scoring focal point that he's been in the past. I think they'll stick to what they want from Chris Paul, and that is a facilitator, not necessarily with the ball in his hands as much. But I don't think he's going to continue to shoot 32. percent um, Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what I'm seeing with Chris Paul. I'm a little confused because I really thought that that it, all that like his juice would be normal, and yet I've seen this kind of sluggish Chris Paul to start seasons, and he works his way into shape. I'm not sure what I'm watching, to be quite honest with you. But I will say this: I I, I think for this team to kind of stretch its ceiling with the roster it has now, it, it, other guys, particularly Da, there is going to have to step up and and be a bigger force offensively. Chris Paul has got such a great basketball IQ. He can affect the game in any number of ways. Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to score for this team to win. That has to be that has to be something that, that is true about this basketball team three months from now. Yes. Yeah. It might, might cost us some games along the way. 
But don't be a try-hard in the regular season yeah, anyway. Right. Who cares? All right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. One of the biggest storylines from Thursday's win over New Orleans was the return of DeAndre Hopkins from his six-game PED suspension. He had 10 catches for 103 yards. Cliff Kingsbury spoke the day after the win and explained how D-Hop opens up the Cardinals' offense moving forward. Yeah, if you look at like when he's played and he hasn't, I mean, that offensively, it's, it's pretty dramatic. And like I said, defenses have to play you differently. I mean, they just do. I mean, the run game opens up when they're rolling another guy to him. And um, I talked about him drawing the, the penalties. And, um, you know, he just sets things up for other people because they always got to know where he's at. All right, now that DeAndre Hopkins is back and rolling and after having time to dedicate to the rest of the NFC West and those games yesterday, who is currently the toughest receiver to defend in the division? Is it DeAndre Hopkins, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, or Cooper Cup? Ooh, it's either Cooper Cup or DeAndre Hopkins. I think Debo Samuel is the hardest receiver to tackle. Yes. Okay, fair. Little tank. I'd give the nod to Cooper Cup. Yeah, it's got to it's yeah. got to be him. The numbers aren't what they were last year, but that's not that big a deal because the right. numbers were otherworldly last year. Right. Sure. Yeah, um, he, de- he deserves that nod over DeAndre Hopkins. Cooper Cup. Yes. Yeah. Right, Good question, to- though. Oh, why? Thank you so much. Uh, let's get to baseball then. Finally, the World Series is set. That was quick. Uh, the Astros and the Phillies, they will start Friday in Houston. The Astros swept the Yankees, my goodness, to reach the World Series for the fourth time in six seasons. And the Phillies only needed one extra game. They beat the Padres in five games in the NLCS. What do you guys think about this Astros-Phillies matchup? I um, I love it. I, it's it's Phillies got everything to be the underdog. Uh, I said it earlier, Bryce Harper is one of those rare baseball players who, for whatever reason, moves the meter. He just had his career-defining moment. He's having a career-defining postseason. And this Game 3 in in Philadelphia, Game 4 in Philadelphia, that scene in Philadelphia is going to be insane. Oh, yeah. Insane. Those those Philly fans are really feeling themselves right now all across the board. Think about it. Yeah, but Ah. they get after it. What a sports year in Philadelphia. Sixers are 0-3. How about our guy Rod Lakin moving to Philly right right for what's happening now? He's got the undefeated Eagles. He's got Mm -hmm. a World Series baseball team. And he's got a train wreck basketball team. <laughs> they're saying but he doesn't okay, have us. They're saying the decibel level um, in terms of um, sound created by fan bases. The record is tied. I think it's tied right now between Chiefs fans in Arrowhead and Seahawks fans in Seattle. If I think I read that wow. correctly, okay. Game three might break that. Wow. Uh, what I think about this? Yes. Philly's having fun. Padres' year is oh done. Boy. Oh, boy. That's what's okay. in. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. <laughs> Boom. I'm leaving. I completely forgot about that song. And I was hoping it would stay that they way. They popped up again at some radio station oh, in San Diego. Gosh. That's the best part of the Padres getting eliminated is those guys go away. Well, they have literally nothing uh, to The Phillies are uh, in history of the World Series. The team with the sixth... Least wins for any World Series participant. Wow. Eighty-seven wins. They get in. They played their way oh, through two uh, through two rounds. Uh, the Astros no joke. They beat the Cardinals and the Braves. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the. Uh, I just think the Astros are, are constructed for this. They withstood. Yeah. Jose Altuve went zero for his first twenty-three. I think, and, and and they won. They haven't lost yet in in the postseason. Um, 
wild. It's Houston's pitching is so good right now. Jordan Alvarez is probably the best left-handed hitter in baseball right now. Alex Bregman is a great offensive player. Jeremy just, Pena has been they, fantastic. They, however, they need him too. Yeah, they've got they've got so much, and what they did to the Yankees was just. I mean, they just smoked the Yankees. Did anyone check in on Gambo? Is he okay? I did not check in. <laughs> He's, He's got to be used to it. Yeah. L- listen we to this. Pitching. I, uh, wow. since, since the Yankees beat the Mets in the 2000 World Series, they've won one championship. Oh! That's it. It's been a while. Uh, one in the last 22 years. It's been a while. And That's yes. approaching Dodgers uh, before the Dodgers It won. is. And the Yankees... They started off really, really good this season. Then they sort of had a long, slow... Oh, Vinny's got Bob, a good stat. Bob Costas pointed this out. Over their last 101 games, including the playoffs, the Yankees were 50 and 51. That's unreal. Yeah. That's so I think, unbelievable. To answer your question about Gambo, I think he sort yes. of probably saw it coming once. The way the season ended and the playoffs were going. They yeah. barely got to this round, even. Yeah, and they, they had some injuries to deal with. Not the excuse. Uh, the, the, the Astros are a superior team. Yes. So, Astros to win the World Series? I think they're going to win. I'll be rooting for the Phillies, though. Okay. Thanks. Oh, same. Yeah. Come we'll on, see. John Boy. Save Let's us all. Let's go, Phillies. Let's <laughs> go, Phillies. Find something that they're cheating yeah, this, at. I'm really, I, w- I would love to see the Phillies stretch this out, win this thing. It'd be a real feel-good story. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Thank you, Sarah. All right, thank That's you guys. the uh, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up. In sports, the word GOAT has two different definitions. For two NFL quarterbacks, the definition has been distinctly different this year. We'll get into that and more NFL talk next. Spickley and Murata mornings live from the Octane Community Studios on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spickley and Murata. Hash marks. And I think it's the NFL, so every team is challenged. And if, you know, you've got to understand they have strengths. And, you know, we and we just have not played well. It doesn't matter, you know, it, if you don't execute your job well, then it doesn't matter who's on the other side. It just still comes down to the fundamentals of the sport, throwing and catching, blocking, tackling. Um, it's all the, the fundamentals. You know, I think if we all look at the film, there's probably a number of plays in every phase that we could have done better. But we just, I said it before, the margin of error is so tight. You know, a couple calls don't necessarily go our way, and and we don't execute at all on offense uh, in certain situations. Um, Simple things, we're behind the sticks, we're, you know, penalties, or uh, dropping balls, we're not putting balls in the right spot. it's not winning football. Look, it's a little weird. We talked about the strangeness of this NFL season, but it is a little weird to talk about how important the quarterback position is to the success of NFL teams. Mm-hmm. And you've got the most accomplished quarterback of all time in Tom Brady's team struggling, and the two-time defending MVP and Aaron Rodgers and his team struggling. Yeah, this is a strange place for observers of football to be in. To uh, see those two, say that again. Three points for Tampa Bay against the Carolina. Panthers? <laughs> Three! Yeah. Three points against a team that has fired its head coach. Nope. What, what a moment for Steve Wilkes, by the way. Right? 
Isn't it? Let's, yes. let's be honest. That's a moment for Steve Wilkes. And Steve Wilkes had a message to everybody who thinks that the Panthers are tanking. Uh, it didn't bother me at, at all because I really keep my focus uh, on the men in this room right here each and every day. Uh, but I just wanted to put it out there to let you know that these men in this room have too much too much character. All right, even even five and something like that. So, uh, again, just excited about the win today. Yeah, happy for Steve Wilkes. I didn't think he'd get many wins, if any wins, taking over, yeah. uh, let alone one against Tampa Bay. But um, in in uh, you know all fairness to him, tanking is not a player coach driven thing. In most cases, it's an organizational thing. Of course, yes, yeah, yeah. Very rarely will the coach want to be part of that because that that drives a wedge between the coach and his players. Mm-hmm. You can't ask players, especially in football, to put their lives and their limbs on the line when wink, wink. We actually don't want you to lose. We actually don't want you to win, homie. So don't be too don't be too good on us. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. That that's a recipe for disaster. I th- here's what I think. Um, I think that there are obvious issues in Tampa, and I don't know where that season's going to go uh, because this the Tom Brady commitment, the Tom Brady coming back only if Bruce Arians effectively loses his job, uh, the fact that that defense was balling out for a while, and now this offense, I mean, it it's uh, the way they struggled yesterday. Todd Bowles getting criticized for play calling, mm-hmm. for all sorts of stuff. And then you look in the Aaron Rodgers thing. And and his football team has now lost to the Commanders, the Jets, and the Giants in three straight weeks. This is something. Well, and the Jets and the Giants, those are two of the top teams in the league. So maybe there's <laughs> well, the, the Jets have won for yeah. sure. Yeah. That is true, but but you would never have dreamed to think that going no, into the year. No, never. And so uh, I think this is quite a comeuppance for these three marquee. Um, torchbearers at the position. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all of them, all of them expressing desires to play late in their careers, exerting mastery over the position late in their years. All of them have hit a wall this year. Are we to believe that they all got old all at the same time, all at once? Did, no. did Chris Paul, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady go to the same party wow. and Ooh. just drink from the same oh, no. punch bowl? <laughs> the the anti-fountain of, of youth right. punch bowl? <laughs> right. The well it, it of... It was the uh, anti-Ponce de Leon party? Yes. The fountain of age? Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from that. I, <laughs> I drank from that. <laughs> never been the same. Uh, One of those chocolate fountains. Dan Your or, hip has never been the same. No. Yeah. I I am one hip dude. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky from ESPN was was pretty critical of Tampa and says, stick a fork in the Bucks. They're done, okay? Tampa's done. It's the worst run game in the NFL. Worst run game in the NFL. And they do it too much. So when your run game stinks and you run the football too much, then you're into a ton of third and longs. And guess what, Tampa? You're not good enough anymore to live in that world. Like two years ago, you were good enough because you had an all-world offensive line and superstars across the board. And your perimeter players were studs. Godwin was playing like a stud. Evans was playing like a stud. Your number three was Antonio Brown. Gronk was still... You're not good enough anymore. Their defense is so un disciplined, man. Four weeks in a row now, we've watched this defense just gutted. So, they're done. There's no way that you can trust that football team. They cannot play to the style that they are playing right now. You buying that? Ooh. No, it's too early to be saying that, particularly in that division. Terrible division. But again, it's, there's something, there's something off with that team. It's, you know, a lot of, a lot of temper tantrums, a lot of... Yeah. 
to give yeah. you a context of their division, though, the NFC East, the combined wins are 20. The teams have 20 combined wins. In the NFC South, they have 10. Wow. All wow. the teams, all four teams have yeah. 10 wins yeah. combined. Yeah, uh, the, the NFC East is a 6-0 and team, a 6-1 and team, a 5-2 five and, five and team, five and, two and a 3-4 team. And then the Commanders. And the Commanders. Commanders are 3-4. and four. They'd be in first place in the NFC South. Um, they'd be, well, they'd be tied. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks do have three. Listen, I like t- I like Taylor Heineke. I really do, but only to a point. Go ahead. He's a, he's a good backup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Bucks have three games before their bye. All three at home. This is a chance for them to right the ship. Now, uh, it's Baltimore, the Rams, and the Seahawks. Oof. So it it it's one of those. Baltimore is a hard team to figure out. The Rams have a lot of the same things going on with them that Dan Orlovsky just pinpointed for Tampa Bay, and in, in in most notably, the physical condition of the offensive line. Those are two teams uh, with just massive offensive line problems. But yesterday. Tom Brady throws an absolute strike down the field on the third oh. play of the game, and Mike oh, Evans, one of the most reliable receivers yeah. in football, just drops it, yep. and they never it's recovered. It's true. They've scored 21 points combined in their last two weeks in losses to Pittsburgh and Carolina. They, uh, I will say this. This is the, the careful what you wish for thing. The Tom Brady wanting B.A. out because he didn't think there was any structure or discipline in a B.A. kind of regime. He got a guy in Todd Bowles who's not gonna who's gonna dial back the playbook. So what Dan Orlovsky said about them running the ball too much that is in, indeed a fact. And you can't do it when you've had suffered injuries on your offensive line the way they have. They they are too conservative, way too. Good. You can say the same thing about the Packers too, but the Packers just don't have a lot of good. No, the skill Packers players. is another. Be careful what you wish for because Aaron Rodgers wanted that big contract uh-huh. and he wanted control of everything uh-huh. and they left the team with no talent. Well, exactly. And and look at look at the opposite of what happened here. Kansas City and Green Bay both lost frontline wide receivers and we wondered in real time would Tyreek Hill regret leaving Patrick Mahomes with Devontae Adams regret leaving Aaron Rodgers. The Kansas City Chiefs went out and signed two B plus wide receivers and they're working. Mm-hmm. It's all working. The Packers did nothing. Well, people don't point to the loss of Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay as the reason why they suck <laughs> oh so much. Right. Everybody points to Devontae that? Adams. It's How all about, about Hackett. How about Mastermind. that? The worst, of, and you know, the worst offense in football, I think, right? The lowest points per game, Denver. And, and this last weekend, in my opinion, the worst weekend of watching football that's been the worst games. Which is saying something weekend. because this, this year has been terrible. Yes, for the most part, this year has been terrible. You've been saying that consistently. The Cardinals-Saints game was dreadful. about the best game of the yeah. week. Yesterday was dreadful. Yes. Uh, the Eagles, just not the Philadelphia Eagles, the band, the Eagles, they're just announced they're returning to Footprint Center March 1st, 2023 for the Hotel California 2023 tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com right now. It's just Eagles. It's not the Eagles. Did you know that? I think I, I think I knew that. I never knew that. And look, I just read what they no, put no, in front of not, me. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Eagles coming. Eagles. Yeah, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. E. Yeah. Yes, that's what you should do. Go to the concert and break out into that chant. How <laughs> funny would that be? Coming up next, Bix got the blast. It's Bigley and Murata mornings on this Monday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.